0: There's three common denominators that are present in every definition of healthy relationship and every study I've ever seen. You can't build a healthy, meaningful friendship or relationship without these three things. These are the same three things that will start a relationship. They're the same three things that will deepen a relationship. And when we need to repair a relationship, we can look at any relationship in our lives that's not meaningful right now and probably point to one of these three things. The three categories
1: are positivity, consistency, and vulnerability. That's Shasta Nelson, author, frequent keynote speaker, and leading expert on friendship and healthy relationships at work. Her book is The Business of Friendship, Making the Most of Relationships Where We Spend Most of Our Time. It focuses on how to create and foster strong relationships that are good for both employers and employees, and how to combat the loneliness epidemic that affects our collective health and well-being. Shasta believes, and data show, that friendship is crucial to our health and our careers and that the best employees are those who feel the most connected. I'm Luann Heinen, and this is the Business Group on Health podcast, conversations with experts on the most relevant health and well-being issues facing employers. Shasta Nelson joins me today for a discussion on the benefits of work friendships, how we can create them, and the concerns people may have about them. We'll also talk about leadership and friendship, how to navigate clicks in the workplace, and what employers can do to create more opportunity for connection. Almost everyone has a story about their health insurance. Today's episode is brought to you by Surest, an innovative health plan making waves in the industry for all the right reasons. Shasta, I'm so glad you're here. I really enjoyed your book, The Business of Friendship.
0: Oh, I'm so happy to be here, and I love talking about this subject, so thanks
1: for having me. Well, you quote Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, who said, During my years caring for patients, the most common pathology I saw was not heart disease or diabetes. It was loneliness. How does having friends at work combat loneliness and improve employee health?
0: Mm. Yeah, this has been something that I was so excited when he came out talking about that, because for like the last 12 15 years, I've been really researching and working in this space. And it's just amazing the different research that's coming in. And yet I almost feel like our brain's can't believe it. <laughs> like we hear these things, but if we feel lonely and work is where we spend the bulk of our lives. So, yeah, if we're lonely there, it's virtually impossible to make it up in our off hours. 1% of people who don't feel like they're getting it at work are able to have the energy to go build the relationships outside of work. So, we really have to focus where we're spending most of our time at work because if we're lonely there, it means we're more likely lonely in our life in general. And when we're lonely, it's more damaging to our bodies than smoking 15 cigarettes a day to not get those needs met is worse than not exercising. It's worse than living in pollution. Um, it is like the most significant factor for our health and happiness. It helps put our body in repair mode. It helps actually our genetics like actually begin to heal themselves, repair themselves to feel supported, whether it's at work. And that's
1: arguably where we have a lot of stress in our life. So it's even more important there. I mean, a lot of people think I've got a close spousal relationship, you know, I've got a family at home, I have fun on weekends, but you're saying that's not enough, we need friends at work.
0: Yeah. The research shows that it's not enough for most of us, but most of us report feeling happiest with three to five close friends. To feel supported, we have to feel known. We have to feel appreciated. We have to feel like we're interacting frequently enough where we know what's going on in each other's lives. We want to believe that they're there for us, which means that we actually need to know what's going on and what there looks like for us. And so, yeah, for most of us, we need several friends. And unfortunately- Too many of us only have one, and even too many more of us have zero that we would say really, truly that we can confide in and be super close to. So
1: it's a big need. We know that um, John Clifton of Gallup published the Power of Work Friends article in Harvard Business Review. I mean, certainly Gallup's been tracking the best friend at work question for a number of years. What are the benefits to companies of strong friendships at work?
0: Yeah, they've been tracking this for over two decades and came out uh, and said, Those employees who have a best friend at work are seven times more engaged in their job. That translates to better customer service calling in sick less. It translates to less workplace accidents and better like inventory quality control, retention if we care about keeping our employees, recruiting employees, productivity, just going down the list of like from mental health issues, for how we're treating our customers, for how we manage, how we're training leaders. All of that rests on our ability to build healthy relationships with people. And so, yeah, if we care about creativity and innovation or problem solving or brainstorming, so many of us know what it feels like to be in a room and you're not going to raise your hand, you're not going to throw out the idea, the the solution, if we feel like we're going to be judged, if we feel like it's not really safe, if we feel like no one's interested or asking us. And yet, if we feel like we've got each other's backs and we feel close to each other, we absolutely would be throwing out every possible idea to try to solve the problem. So, yeah, if you want people who feel like they have ownership and authority and autonomy at work, then they need to feel connected.
1: So I think you kind of got to the downsides for a company when employees feel isolated and lonely. If they don't have that sense of safety, they're not going to contribute as much, but aren't they going to be more productive? What about all that time (laughs) chatting at the water station and shooting the breeze, catching up on the weekend? I think there are a lot of employees who don't feel their supervisors are, are fully supportive of that so
0: many, so many. When I was researching for my book, I asked the question, how many of you want to have a best friend at work? And then I asked how many of you feel like your employer and or supervisor want you to have a best friend at work? And the number like dropped almost in half of those who want it versus those of us who feel permission to have it. So yeah, to your point, if we have employees who stop talking at the proverbial water cooler when they see us coming. We are not encouraging. That means we have not created safety. We haven't created a norm. We haven't allowed them to think that we expect them to have friends, that we want them to have friends. And so it absolutely becomes a really important issue for us to be speaking about, modeling about. Like We have to believe the research. We might have a few fears and we can talk about that. You know, like some of us are like, what about favoritism and what about clicks and what about gossip? The big thing that we need to remind ourselves of is all of these fears we have about friendships at work actually diminish if we're training people and encouraging people to have good friends, because we can say we're against friends, we can have a no friend policy. And the truth of the matter is, you're still going to have favoritism, you're still going to have jealousy, you're still going to have clicks, you're still going to have gossip, and those are probably going to be more destructive and more damaging, because people don't like each other, they don't feel safe, they don't feel supported. And so really, it's to our benefit to lean in to building better relationships, helping people know how to have those healthy relationships, and helping them know what healthy relationships look like at work and what those healthy Expectations are. And the solution is to talk about it more and train for it more, not to talk about it less or ignore it and just hope it goes away.
1: (laughs) So, with all the priorities that leaders have at companies and managers have with teams, how do you work friendship into that equation? What are some practical thoughts about how to have that conversation?
0: Yeah, well, first, I feel like the leader needs to be saying they want it for people. So, we need to learn how to say that in a variety of different ways. We can get up and say, Hey, I just listened to a podcast on how important friendships are. It reminded me that, you know, it's been a while since we've talked about that. My dream would be that all of you feel like you have a best friend at work. I would want all of you to feel like you have several friends at work, that we're all there for each other. So I want that for you. So to be able to name that, to be able to talk about your own friendships, to say, I'm still really good friends with somebody I met in the workplace 10 years ago. I can't even imagine making it through my career without this person. Here's how it's been a benefit to me. We can talk about what are all the things at our company that we think could help support you Thank you. Here's some of the employee resource groups that we have that are a good way to be building friendships. Here's some of the events that our organization does. Here's some of the activities coming up. Um, I really want to invite you to show up. Let me know what we can do to like help make this happen. And you know, some of us work in companies where we need to specify to people where and when they can talk. Interestingly enough, like, are they allowed to talk in front of customers out in the main room? Or do we are they only allowed to do that in the break room? Are we giving them breaks at the same time? Is it clear to them where they're able to share and connect and when those are the right times are and so it- as managers, we probably haven't spelled all of that out very much. We haven't talked about it. It's just kind of been a subject we've vastly ignored, and it's cost us dearly. Over 62% of people are reporting loneliness in the workplace right now. So chances are high that over half your team is lonely. And I'll just say that would be the equivalent of sending 60% of kids to school without food in their stomachs. We know that kids can't learn if they're hungry, and so we've taken care and great pains to try to make sure kids have food when they're in school, and and this is as important as hunger. This is a human need that our bodies have, and we will get more productivity and more engagement from our employees if they're not,
1: quote, hungry for connection, if we're helping get that need met. So let's talk some more about how to create those connections and the requirements of friendship, which I know the book is about at work, but this holds whether or not you're at work, right? The same basic model. What is the path to belonging? <laughs> So when we look at all the different studies
0: out there on what builds for a healthy team or what makes for a great marriage or why do we feel some closer to some people than others, when you pull it all together, there's three common denominators that are present in every definition of healthy relationship and every study I've ever seen. You can't build a healthy, meaningful friendship or relationship without these three things. These are the same three things that will start a relationship. They're the same three things that will deepen a relationship. And when we need to repair a relationship, we can look at any relationship in our lives that's not meaningful right now and probably point to one of these three things. The three categories are positivity, consistency, and vulnerability. Positivity means positive emotions because we all want to enjoy. We want to be liked. We want to laugh. We want to feel loved. We want to feel supported. We want to have empathy. We want to have pleasant emotions when we are around each other consistency is how we build trust with each other it's logging hours together building a consistent pattern it involves frequency it involves memory making sharing experiences having conversations so it's how we log and spend time together it's impossible to build a relationship if we don't spend time together and vulnerability is the ability to start knowing each other and to feel known and that means being able to share my ideas and uh, my opinions and be known for who I am and feel safe expressing myself. And so we all want to feel loved and we won't feel loved and appreciated if we don't feel known. So this is where we have the opportunity to feel like we really know each other. Positivity, consistency, and vulnerability. So
1: let's talk a little bit about first positivity. What exactly positivity means? I think you said leaving an encounter, feeling joyful, feeling better about it You know than you would have had you not had that encounter. And how do you distinguish that from toxic positivity, for example? Yeah.
0: Great. Great question. I'm so glad you helped clarify that. So positivity doesn't mean I have to be positive all the time. Positivity means that we want to leave each other feeling good feeling better than when we started so sometimes that means being able to come and complain and vent in that instance would be i didn't feel judged i didn't feel belittled i felt empathy i felt validation i felt acceptance i felt resonance that's positivity sometimes positivity is you know expressed words and words of affirmation and compliments but sometimes it's our body language and it's our curiosity for somebody and our willingness to value them at the end of the day We gravitate to the people who leave us feeling good. It's human nature. (laughs) We don't even always consciously know we're doing that. Some of the studies are showing that we need to have five positive emotions for every negative emotion. This is a really big deal because in a workplace, we're going to have negative emotions. We are going to annoy each other. We are going to have deadlines. We are going to have failures. We are going to have big mistakes or things that are stressing us out or problems we don't know how to solve, but we want to have five positive emotions for every negative. So it's like five deposits for every withdrawal. And this is true for marriage too. It's Our goal is quantity. So the good news is with that ratio, you can say, okay, if I want to increase positivity, I have two options. I can either problem solve for how can I decrease some of the negativity? Is there a decision that needs to be made? Is there a boundary that needs to be set? Is there something we can do to decrease the ongoing negative emotion so that it's not just constant? And or we can always say, what could I do to add more hope today? What can we do to inspire each other today? And so we always want to be looking for ways to add pleasant emotions.
1: Let's move to vulnerability. What kind of vulnerability works at work, where you don't want to show too much weakness, um, may be afraid of, of sharing too much. What's vulnerability in this context?
0: So I teach these three requirements on a triangle. And at the base of the triangle is positive emotions. So that just has to be there. If we don't have positive emotions, we aren't going to want to do consistency and vulnerability. If I don't feel good, I don't want to keep being around you. (laughs) And if I don't feel good, I'm not going to want to share with you. So that's the foundation. And then every relationship starts at the bottom and slowly works up. Uh, So we want to have a little bit of vulnerability with a little bit of consistency. And it's really important for us to picture, especially in the workplace, but true of all relationships. Vulnerability is something that should be, slow and incremental. The goal is to keep moving it. So every time we interact and increase our consistency, so too, should we feel like we got to know each other a little bit better. In our culture, we have modeled for men to do friendship with uh consistency and positivity. So go have a good time, get together regularly, have fun. But we haven't encouraged and modeled vulnerability. And so a lot of men are reporting not having meaningful relationships outside of romantic relationships. We've That's like one of the only places we've told them it's okay to bond is in romantic relationships. And so there's a lot of men missing that. Women, on the other hand, sometimes make the opposite mistake. And we just think that if we are just really vulnerable and just tell you something really deep, that that will bond us. And the truth of the matter is, no matter... Which tendency we each have, we need to learn that the healthiest way to do it is in connection with consistency. So we just practice a little bit of vulnerability. And in the workplace, vulnerability includes saying, I don't know how to do this, or will you help me, or apologizing if we've messed up, or receiving an apology, or s- or speaking up and telling somebody that something doesn't feel good, or that we need more help with something. Vulnerability means when we care about diversity and inclusion. It's not just making sure the right people in the room, but it takes vulnerability to care and to be curious and to hear somebody's different perspective and somebody's different walk and different journey. And so, yeah, there's so so many important parts of vulnerability that go way beyond what we think of when we just think about sharing personal drama. Um, being able to show up as who we are in the workplace and feel accepted is huge.
1: I've been talking with Shasta Nelson, author of The Business of Friendship, making the most of relationships where we spend most of our time. We'll be back in a moment. You wouldn't book a flight without doing research and exploring your options. We believe you should be able to search for healthcare in the same way. The surest plan was designed so members can see prices on the app or website before making an appointment. Even better, Lower prices are assigned to higher value options based on overall effectiveness of care. With this visibility, members are more likely to shop and choose differently. And when members save, employers can save too. Employers saved up to 15% compared to traditional health plans. And out-of-pocket costs for Surest members were 46% lower than the national average. www.surest.com say on a team you've got a couple of people who are really becoming close at work and moving up that triangle that you described and more and more intimate in their friendship does that make others feel left out at work others on their team or on other teams Um, people don't like to feel excluded how do we navigate that at work Unfortunately, it absolutely does. The research around
0: feeling excluded is so fascinating. I, I write about it some in each of my books because it's such a fascinating field. It's human nature to feel left out because I think we are hardwired to know how important connection is to our bodies and to our happiness and health. And so, yeah, we want to be included and belong. and. We can't cater to the lowest common denominator and not build meaningful friendships because some of people might feel left out. I would say the better approach to that is training and teaching all of our people how to build good, healthy friendships and increase and raise the expectation that all of us can create areas of belonging. And I would say let's be mindful that when we are getting closer at work and we are building meaningful friendships. Let's make sure that our relationships are always inclusive at work. Let's make sure that our relationships are a blessing to everybody around us when we're at work. Let's make sure that we're not the people who are just sitting by ourselves at lunch and talking and catching up, but we're like the people who can sit down and invite others to come and join us. And so let's be mindful of the fact that it is very easy for people to be excluded. And let's do our very best to make ourselves an inviting presence and a friendship that uh, people want to be around. Let's have our friendship be contagious, if you will. So yeah, I think it's on both sides. And I think the rest of us need to like keep practicing saying just because I'm not close to them doesn't mean I'm being actively excluded. It just means I also want to feel close to some people. And I also want to feel some connection. So what can I do to help build meaningful connection in my life? So we need to do a better job of not not wanting it for others, but to see that and to feel it and to have compassion for ourselves and say, okay, so that just shows that they have built a relationship. They've logged the hours. They have been together a long time. Nobody's excluding us actively. It just indicates that we haven't yet built that level of relationship with them. So what do we want to do to start practicing positivity, consistency, and vulnerability with those people or with other people to help build our relationships and make us make sure we feel more connected?
1: Yeah. Well, I really love that, to be inclusive and let the friendship be contagious. I mean, that was great. So let's look at another scenario. There's a phrase, lonely at the top. What makes leadership lonely? And aren't there really concerns about potential favoritism or influence when the leader has close friends at work?
0: Yeah. No, these are big fears. When I was doing my research and I was asking, you know, what are the obstacles? What are you most afraid of? Favoritism was number one, clicks, gossip go down the list of people having big fears. As I was saying earlier, I'm always big on being like, you can have no friends in the workplace and we're still gonna feel like you have favoritism and we're still gonna feel like we're left out. And so avoiding friendship isn't the answer to those things at all. It's really an invitation to say, okay, what can we do to make this Better for everybody. So as a leader, we need you connected. When anybody doesn't feel connected, they have less empathy, less compassion for others. I mean, these are skills we want in leaders. And so we as a workforce should say, if anybody's going to have friends at work, we need our leaders to have friends at work. We need our, our leaders showing up with big hearts, feeling supported, feeling loved. Like That would be my big wish. I go in and teach at leadership conferences how to build those relationships because we really need our leaders to not be scared to get the connection they need just because somebody might misconstrue it. There is a lot of loneliness at the top. And I don't think it needs to be that way. And I don't think it should be that way. But we maybe stop getting invited to some of the gatherings out after work that some of the employees go to. We might not be in on the conversation and the vulnerability and the problems and the complaining that people are doing. Some people start distancing us and assuming that they don't think we need friends or that we already have everything we need. And so they don't think of us as friend material anymore. Sometimes we're carrying a lot of burdens and a lot of stress and a lot of big issues that we can't talk about with everybody. And we feel very alone. We don't feel like people get us. We absolutely have to come up with ways to um, combat that and to build relationships with people on our teams, with other leaders, with people in masterminds and people outside of our organization. We have to take responsibility and say, it is not okay to be lonely at the top. It's just not okay.
1: Yeah. And well, the health and well-being of Leaders is important, and also recognizing that their time is very scarce. So it's it's probably a greater challenge for them to log the consistency that you mentioned.
0: Yeah, I mean, in in a dream scenario, they're in groups with other leaders where they can also be feeling some of that support. Um, Of course, that's how it depends on how the culture is kind of created. Are we feeling threatened and competitive with each other? Do we feel like we have to impress each other, or is this a safe place to? admit that all of us have areas where we need some support, it requires vulnerability, which I think often we get less vulnerable, the higher in position we get.
1: So let's talk a little bit about friends versus friendly and what our ultimately our goal is at work when it comes to, you know, it's more than a best friend, but it's also not everyone a best friend.
0: So I teach on the triangle. So that all relationships at work have to be on the bottom of our triangle. If you get the luxury of picking your own friends outside of work, not everybody needs to be on your triangle. You can say, okay, I don't like this person. And that's like fair, but at work, everybody, if they're on your team, if they're people you have to interact with to do your job, they have to be at least on the bottom of your triangle, which means you treat them with Kindness, a little bit of positivity. You treat them with curiosity, which is a little bit of vulnerability, and you treat them with some consistency. Like they should know that they can count on you, that when they send you an email, they'll hear back from you, that you'll do your part of the job and you'll do everything you can to make sure they can do their part of the job. So we do have to have consistency, positivity, and vulnerability because we want to have a healthy relationship with them, even if we don't like them. We will enjoy our jobs better and do a better job if we build as healthy of a relationship as we can with them. And to your point, that does not mean we have to become best friends with them. That does not mean you have to develop a friendship with them. It means you recognize the difference between somebody that I'm trying to be as friendly with and have the a baseline relationship with versus somebody else who we practice positivity, consistency, and vulnerability on an ongoing basis. And we can move up the triangle. We trust each other more there. We can express our feelings more there. We feel more support. We know each other better. And we can see the difference between those two relationships and have healthy expectations.
1: I think that's one of the biggest differences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I think that what I took away from your book was develop more meaningful relationships with a few and be friendlier. I mean, like you said, everybody's in the triangle.
0: I love that because to your point, what you were just saying, Luann, is most of us when we're lonely, loneliness is our body telling us that we have a need for more connection and support and appreciation in our lives. So it's as important as feeling Hunger pangs when you need food or yawning when you need sleep or thirst, you know, a parched throat when you need water. And so when you feel lonely, it's your body telling you it has a need that needs to be met. And it's a really beautiful message. That's not anything to be ashamed of. It's like, oh, okay, I want more support in my life. Okay, what does that mean? How can I do that? And for most of us, When we feel lonely, the answer isn't that we need to go meet more people. I think that's one of the biggest myths we have is that if you're lonely, it means you need to go make new friends. The truth of the matter is most of us know enough people. Most of us have met a ton of people. Most of us know more people than we can keep in touch with. When we're lonely, for many of us, it's that we haven't gone deep enough with a few. We haven't prioritized a couple of people. We haven't really practiced moving some of the relationships up the triangle. We have too many in the middle. Deepening and prioritizing and picking a few people that we're going to say, I'm going to be more consistent with this person. I'm going to practice incremental vulnerability. I'm going to show up in this person's life and add value. Those are the things that we, most of us when we're lonely, it's that we need to go deeper with a few people. So yeah, your takeaway is uh, spot on.
1: Now you're making me wonder though, how someone would know or recognize that they're lonely, because I don't think that that's that common nomenclature for most of us. We don't think that's us. We think it's older people maybe living in you know, in an institution or maybe it's or living home alone, or we might not recognize the mellas or the feelings that you described that we should know.
0: Yeah. You are so right. And in fact, many of us, when we do feel it, we either kind of d- deny it. We go, yeah, I have friends. In fact, I'm around people all day long. I can't be lonely. And we like kind of defend ourselves against it and try to convince ourselves. i would be like trying to convince yourself you're not tired when you are. 62% of us are lonely in the workplace. That's A lot of us. Some of the people who are more likely to be lonely, interestingly, it's not the elderly, it's the youngest generations right now that are scoring the loneliest. So people in their 20s and 30s. So if you have young people on your teams, they have a higher likelihood of being lonely. Any employee that's under six months from being brought on is more likely to be lonely. Men on your team are more likely to be lonely because we haven't encouraged that in our culture, unfortunately enough. Anybody who is like different on your team, whether that comes down to race or gender, high, high likelihood that they're feeling lonely, like they're not totally feeling supported and connected. We need to start getting better at talking about this and and recognizing it in ourselves. Emotional intelligence invites us to check in and ask, how am I feeling in this area? And one of the ways I encourage people to look at their loneliness is on a scale of one to 10, Because loneliness, doesn't mean we have no friends. It doesn't mean we have no connection. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the most fulfilled, I feel totally seen. I feel like I have enough people in my life. I feel appreciated. I feel like I have people to go do things with. I have fun friends. I've got like confidants. And so 10 is like, I feel full. I am connected socially in meaningful ways. And one is I do not have anything. I don't have meaningful interactions with anybody. I don't have anyone I'm talking to. I'm isolated. And so most of us are somewhere on that spectrum. In fact, 70% of us score a six or below. So um, most of us are kind of on the lower side of that. But I encourage everyone listening right now to just ask yourself on a scale of one to 10, how would I rate myself right now, not from before I had kids or before I had this job or what I would like to have, but like how honest right now How connected and loved and supported do I feel on a scale of one to 10? And any number, there is some form of loneliness. So it doesn't mean you're lonely and that you have nobody. It just means you have room in your heart for a little bit more connection and intimacy and uh, support.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for that. So I was thinking about things I've heard about happening in companies and whether these would help address loneliness. So for example, one company that we're familiar with does invite employees, especially new hires, to sign up to be matched with another employee for a quick 20-minute virtual coffee chat using a third-party platform that kind of connects them. Alternatively, and less formally, I've heard there are companies who provide signs for on-site cafes or other gathering spots that they have when people are in the office, and associates then can display a join sign or a focus sign, depending on whether they're open for making a connection or really need to get work done. What do you think about those kinds of solutions?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think at this point in the game, we need to be experimenting with everything we can try and do. So one of the hardest things as a new employee, or actually honestly any employee, is just reach out to somebody for no reason. (laughs) So if we're not bumping into each other, if we're not working right next to each other, if we're not having time to interact when we're on team meetings together. It's really hard to figure out how am I supposed to build relationships. One of the companies I worked with as a new hire, they had like this little passport and they had to have 10 different phone calls with different people in different levels of the office. And so it gives them an incentive to kind of start reaching out or other companies will be like, I'm going to set up one-on-one with everybody on the team for you so that you can like just have a one-on-one with each person and kind of build your relationship with them and get to know them a little bit better. And here's some sample questions you guys can ask each other if you would like, but anything we can do that kind of helps um, encourage that. I'm a very, Big fan of taking time during most team meetings. I'm doing Either A, a quick sharing question where we all go around the circle and share something. I have a whole list of questions in my book and that I've written up for companies to use. And or if you don't have a ton of time for everybody to share, maybe you just break them into twos uh, to for three minutes. Let's just get in with one other person and share your answer to X, Y, Z. And so at least everybody's getting a couple minutes of connection with one other person and kind of building that relationship. But our goal as leaders is to do everything we can to help make it as easy as possible for people to build relationships.
1: Thank you so much for that. The other overall kind of goal takeaway I took from your book was be in as many satisfying relationships and enjoyable relational moments as possible and be kind to everyone.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. What does that look like for you? That's a great question. I work remotely. So for me, I think it really means turning on my video camera every chance I get and being really mindful when I am in the office and have a chance to be face to face with people. Honestly, I do a lot of laughing at work. Mm. And you know, my husband in the next room says, Are you really? What are you doing in there? (laughs) Having too much fun. (laughs) Having too much fun. There's a lot of that.
0: Those are great examples. Look at you getting put on the spot. And those are beautiful. I love
1: those. Those are great practices. Is there anything I should have asked you? but didn't?
0: Well, I feel like the thing I just would, if we had hit home at the end here is just how much our happiness comes down to being connected. You know, We talked about it from a physical health and, and if we want to live longer, uh, Dr. Waldinger just came out with, a, he's doing this 85-year study at Harvard. He's the director of it now and is concluding again that the number one thing we can do for our health and happiness is have close relationships. But when I was doing my research in, um, in preparation for this book, The people who said they had a best friend at work were 80% more likely to also say they were almost always happy at work. And so when we want happy employees, if we're an employer, we want our people to have friends. But I feel like for those of us who are just listening, like the takeaway is like if you want to be happier in your life, one of the best areas you can invest in is going deeper with a couple of people. Another doctor, Dr. Niven, he was researching, his a happiness researcher, and he took all the studies on happiness and concluded 70% of our happiness comes down to our relationships. And so when you think about that for a second, you think about everything you think you need to make you happy, that adds up to 30%. <laughs> what comes down to our happiness is our relationships. And I feel like We know this. Like We hear this. We talk about people who are dying, who never talk about work, but they talk about relationships. We hear all this stuff about it. But I don't think most of us are like living like we believe this. And so I guess I would just end by saying, at the end of the day, do you want to be happier at work and in your job and in your life? Do you want to be healthy? And if the answer is yes, then it's like we can't keep doing the same thing. (laughs) What we're doing now is leading to 62% loneliness. So it's not working. So we really need to start practicing and experimenting and trying new things. We need to be talking about this more. We need to be training for it. We need to be teaching it. We need to be modeling it. We need to be facilitating it. We have to figure out a way to do this differently. Do we need to be coming back to the office? To see each other on occasion, I hope so. I think <laughs> I was like, I used to be brought in to teach off sites and to do off sites. And I'm like, now it's like, let's do all hands on and let's do an on site and like let's focus our relationships. But you know, it's yes, if we want to build more relationships at work, being in person and making memories helps for sure. And if not, we just need to be super intentional. I always say to people who are working remote, it's the equivalent of a child being kind of pulled out of school and doing homeschool. It's doable. We've proven that they're as smart and as educated as like more productive they can get more work done in homeschool faster than we can in school but we also know that if you're homeschooling we have to be way more proactive to say okay we need to sign up for a soccer team okay we need to like get together with other kids for playdates like and so if you are working remote you need to figure out how can i be as connected as i can be with my office and then what do i need to be doing to save energy and time and prioritizing making sure that i'm really getting my social life scheduled in other ways so we all have to be a little bit more proactive if we're not getting it if, if the consistency is not happening automatically for us at an office we have to make sure we're creating that consistency ourselves
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely well shasta thank you so much for your time today this is terrific mm-hmm.
0: Oh, thank you. Seriously. Thank you for covering this. I, as you can, as you can tell, I'm super passionate, but I feel like this is one of those things we often don't talk about in workplaces. And we just let our fears, um, kind of get in the way and we let our doubts get in the way, but the research is so compelling that I can't wait for more and more companies to say, okay, we may not do this perfectly. We may not know how to do this, but like, let's start leaning in and believing the research. So thank you for the role you're playing in helping make that happen for so many people today.
1: I've been speaking with Shasta Nelson about friendships in the workplace and how employers can foster social connectedness. For more information about Shasta and her work, please visit ShastaNelson.com. I'm Luann Heinen. This podcast is produced by Business Group on Health with Connected Social Media. We hope you liked the conversation and will be inspired to rate us and leave a review.